What's up, y'all? I am Chris Charles, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am joined again by my guy, the one, the only, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What is up, buddy? What is up, sir? So it's interesting because even though it's the off season and we've got a couple of months left, for, you know, nine weeks maybe before the season actually begins. Mm. Um, and I know we're going to be talking about it later, but I feel like the news coming out recently in the NFL has less to do with what's happening on the field and more to do with what's happening off the field. Cause we've got some, we've got a lot of things that have been going on over the last few days that I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later. Oh man. It's just insane right now. And this is why they say, they tell all the players, you know, stay out of trouble, stay home. Don't do terrible things because we got a bunch of stuff. That was just a, a really bad day yesterday for a lot of these guys, man. I think it was Herm Edwards that came out with the, with the saying, nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah, that's it, man. Stay at home. That's your clock. That's your curfew. Yeah. Do not go out after midnight. Okay. And and first of all, I guess we'll just, we'll dive into the dirty business, man, because I mean, there's a lot of it and it is uh, Frank Clark, Kansas city defensive end, man. This, I don't know what he's doing. I really don't understand because I'll, <laughs> I'll break it down for you guys. If you guys don't know, he was arrested Sunday in Los Angeles for felony, illegal possession of a firearm. And at first I'm like, you know, okay, whatever. He's got an unregistered firearm, but the difference is this mother was carrying an Uzi. And, and I'm like, I'm like, really dude, what do you need an Uzi for, man? We're not going to war. Like, what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? It's all right. So I have absolutely zero problems with anyone that, you know, sure. is a responsible gun owner. Absolutely. No problem at all. Yep. But when you have a weapon like that, I ask, I ask the exact same question. What do you need it for? Like, how much Call of Duty do you play <laughs> where you feel you need to have those actual weapons in your possession in real life? I was like, oh, my God, man, an Uzi. Like, what are you doing, man? Oh, my God. So I don't know. This impacts Kansas City quite a bit, in my opinion. I mean, we this has to be coming with a suspension. Like, right off the bat, I'm thinking, I'm what, four at minimum, because that's going to be conduct uh, detrimental to the team. And, and, I mean, Frank Clark is a big piece to this team. And, and I mean, the way Kansas City has been revamping this entire offense, they're ready to go for another Super Bowl. And I mean, if you're missing Frank Clark, I think that's a major uh, I mean, if it's only four games, they can obviously recover, I should say. But I mean, could it be more? Could it be like eight to 12? I I think I'd be very surprised if it were more than, say, four to four to six games. Mm. Um, and and when you look at their their defensive line, they don't have a ton of depth along that defensive line, at least at the defensive end position. So if you're missing Frank Clark, I mean, that's taking away a good chunk of your pass rush. Obviously you still have Chris Jones, but without Clark, that, that does hurt, you know, getting after that quarterback for the first four, maybe five weeks of the season. Yeah, man, it's just a bad look all around. Who knows? Maybe, you know, he hasn't really been in trouble before. So maybe he gets kind of a slap on the wrist, maybe two, three games, whatever it is. But yeah, I'm thinking it's the four games, but moving to more trouble. Oh, man. And, and this one hurts because, you know, I was I was really having high hopes for this man. Mr. Zavin Collins, first round pick of the Arizona Cardinals. He gets arrested in Scottsdale for excessive speed and reckless driving. So he was booked short time later. I get it. And I mean, no comment was made by the team from what I'm seeing. But I mean, this is not a good thing. Okay. Reckless driving, drunk driving. This is still going to land you in hot water with the league office, man. Like, so, I mean, where does this one play out? Because any rookie missing time is always going to be a disaster for their season, right? They're going to miss out on mini camps. They're potentially going to miss out on preseason games that are extremely valuable. 
I don't know, man. I don't like this for him one bit because I thought he was going to be a major piece on this defense. I, I completely agree. I mean, he's you know going to be a starting linebacker for the team, and he has a promising career ahead of him. The one thing that is, is with all these young players, um, I don't care who you are, you know, all of a sudden you get this big paycheck, mm. you buy a really fancy car, and whether you're, you're intoxicated or not, you're going to want to see how fast that motherfucker is going to go. <laughs> And you're, you are going to want to be Paul Walker and just go need for speed and just put the pedal to the metal. And yeah, this is what happens. So I don't think there's going to be a suspension coming with him, to be honest mm. with you. I'd be surprised if he was suspended. But of course, any time away from the team, especially, you know, with him being so young and really needing to, you know, get as much reps as he possibly can, it's definitely going to hurt the chemistry and him, you know, kind of getting more getting the reps that he actually needs. Yeah, man, because him and Simmons, I, I was I'm looking at this and I'm drooling and I'm not even an Arizona Cardinal fan. I'm, I'm just a quiet supporter of what they're doing and, and having the both of them in this linebacker room right on the field. I thought it was going to be glorious. And I, I mean, you, you don't know anymore. The NFL makes their own laws, man. They, they govern by their own set of laws and how they feel uh, you're you're hampering the shield, so to speak. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with him. I mean, maybe he settles out and, and they're just going to give him a slap on the wrist, too. But my money is between him and Frank Clark. I think Frank is going to have a suspension over over Collins. That's for damn sure. I agree because uh, Collins didn't have a freaking Uzi in his possession. He didn't have an Uzi, man. You know, these guys need to take some advice from Chris Carter. Remember when he said, you guys need a fall guy, man. You know, just get a a fall guy and everything will be okay. I couldn't believe he said that. I mean, you you make enough money. Yeah, you could just pay somebody off and be like, listen, I know you might do some time. You know, you're probably going to get in trouble, but I'm going to financially, you're going to be good. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll I'll take care of you when you come out, man. I got you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. The schematics of how everything works out. One more terrible news that we see happen. It was the rookie defensive tackle, Jalen Taubman. He was shot four times, man, as he was visiting uh, Washington, D.C. The police were saying it was the wrong place at the wrong time, or his agent was saying that, excuse me. And, and the team said that, you know, he was he was OK. He was in full. He was in recovery mode. The exit wounds were all there. So nothing really uh, overly serious, except for the fact that he took four bullets. I mean, what the hell is going on, man? This was this was all just yesterday on Monday, man. What the hell is going on, Chris? It's insane. So so Twyman was visiting his aunt, I believe. Is, is, that was the relative that he was going to visit and see. And yeah, got shot four times. I think it was the, the shoulder, the leg, the butt, and one other area. And the fact that they say he's going to be fine. The man was shot four times and he's going to be fine. I mean... Now, granted, there were obviously not, you know, life-threatening injuries or areas where he was hit, but still, I get shot four times. I'm not going to be fine. I'm not going to be okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm not. I'm gonna be crying, man. I mean, help me, man. Like, oh, I just unbelievable stuff. What's going on? I mean, I mean, from all the the bad news, Antonio Brown got off of his uh, his uh, lawsuit, so he's in the clear now. I guess that's a little bit of positive. <laughs> I, would I honestly forgot about that whole thing just because it feels like it was forever ago. Yeah. And it was literally just a year ago when all of this happened. Yeah. And see, Antonio Brown must have a fall guy. See what I'm saying? I mean, I think I think we might be almost exactly a year or a little bit more than a year from, you know, the the infamous uh, bag of dicks incident. Oh, yeah. Explain, where he was just just, just explain just, to the people the bag of dicks because I think they had forgotten. Oh. Absolutely, folks. So for those of you who forgot about this <laughs> lovely incident or who may not have heard about it, yeah. uh, it's, there was a, a domestic dispute between Antonio Brown and his baby mama. And 
he was outside of his house. She, I believe, was in near the streets or, or in the front yard or something. Um, and the police showed up and they're still arguing and whatnot. And Mr. Antonio Brown has <laughs> uh, packages that mm. contained gummy penises in them. And he was literally throwing them at his baby mama and in the direction of the police. Mm. And there is an actually there is there is a website uh, that you can go to. And I forget the name of it off the top of my head where you can buy these little bags of dicks. So if you ever have any sort of dispute with a loved one, you know, if you have a significant <laughs> other that things haven't worked out with, do not resort to violence. You yeah. know, do not resort to anything of that nature because that's absolutely terrible. Yeah. Instead, just throw a bag of dicks. That's all you got to do. Just go get some gummy penises and throw it at your person that you're arguing and that settles all like, oh, my Lord. You know, it's a good thing I put the explicit on this one, man, because I think we're going to get kicked off. Of we're, iTunes, we're, off to a, we're off to a good start. We're yeah, off to a good. damn good start because iTunes is going to kick us off in a second. Let's get into some football, man, because we got some things to discuss, believe it or not. I believe Eli Manning. So this is interesting, man. So this comes now into mm. the conversation. And I, I just want to bring it up quickly. I mean, we don't have to, you know, beat this thing down like a dead horse. But I mean, Eli Manning, he's getting inducted into the Giants ring of honor. He's going to have his number 10 jersey retired September 26th. And he uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. And, and I mean, OK, you know, we we expected this because in the Giants uh, uh, history, the realm of success Eli's got to be in there. I mean, he won them two Super Bowls. You can say he's probably the best clutch quarterback they've ever seen because I, I can't mm -hmm. argue that. But you know where this argument's going, right, Chris? It is, again, now with the Hall of Fame. Does mm -hmm. Eli Manning belong into the Hall of Fame after all these things are going to happen? I mean, I mean, where are you at now? Does this change your mind a little bit? So uh, even, even before anything, I still believe that, yes, he is a Hall of Famer. He deserves to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Ooh. When you look when you look at his numbers, he is top 10 all time in almost every major passing category. You throw in two Super Bowls on top of that. Yes. Did he kind of ride the coattails of his defense? Sure. Did he play very well, though, in those Super Bowls? Absolutely. So opposed to or, you know, where where months ago we had that that I had that fiery outburst of Julian Edelman yeah. and whether or not he deserved to be in the hall of fame. Right. Eli Manning for me is a no brainer. I mean, yes, people are going to say, Oh, well he was only good in the playoffs. Like, no, look at his all time statistics and he's up there top 10 with everybody else that deserves to be in the hall of fame. So Eli's numbers, they speak for themselves, whether it's regular season or the playoffs and he's got the two rings to back it up as well. So yeah, put that man in Canton. <sighs> Okay, see, here's the thing. I, I like Eli. I'm, I'm not an Eli basher whatsoever. First ballot seems a little rich for me. And I, and I get where you're going. I totally do. I respect your opinion. You know that. The thing is, is that, okay, does he have, I mean, what was the things? He never had over 65% completions, never had over 94% uh, rating, whatever it was. And I, and I mean, longevity is always going to be the argument, you know, because he played for such a long time, his statistics increased and, and inflated. But I'm going to side with you in the sense that even if he does make a first ballot, I won't be angry because of those two Super Bowls of the success that he did bring them on those runs. And I mean, you know what? Everyone wants to argue and say, you know, he, he, he uh, was, was behind the defense, I should say, because 
Tom Brady had the same thing. I mean, if we're being real, I'm not comparing the two quarterbacks, but when Tom mm-hmm. Brady won his first two rings, that was all defense that was supportive on that team. So you can't take that away from him. It's a team game. Okay. Yes. The hall of fame is, is an individual uh, achievement for, for each player, but I mean, I don't hate it. And, and because of how he won those two Super Bowls, I think that alone gets him into the hall of fame. Yeah. And it's, so I, I'll also back this up with why I think that he deserves to be there because when you look at the offensive players that he's played with throughout his career, he hasn't played with other hall of famers in, in my opinion, you know, Ooh, great point. So I think for what he did with the level of talent around him from an offensive standpoint, you know, yeah, he had, you know, a few seasons with, with Odell Beckham, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Odell Beckham down the road. Um, but I mean, again, the talent around him, you had when you have, you know, Mario Manningham and mm-hmm. David Tyree, you know, I mean, yes, he had Plaxico Burris for those couple of seasons before mm-hmm. Plaxico decided to, you know, shoot himself in the leg mm-hmm. and pull a cheddar bob from eight mile, you know, but cheddar bob still. bomb. Oh, man, look at this guy. Exactly. But him. but yeah, Eli, again, you know, not a great lot, not a lot of talent around him. The defense certainly helped him out. I completely understand that. Numbers don't lie. The stats don't lie. And he has those numbers to back up his case to be a Hall of Famer. Am I going out on a limb and saying that he's first ballot? Maybe, but that's that's kind of where I'm going at right now with that, you know, that take. I don't hate that. I don't hate it one bit. So can I can I te- can I ask and say, did Eli Manning make Odell Beckham Jr. where no. he sits today? I don't think so. He hasn't, I think that he hasn't replicated those stats since he's left Eli. He hasn't, but he also hasn't really been able to stay healthy since he left New York. And Fair granted, enough. he did have some injuries in New York as well, because we saw the talent with, with Odell at LSU when he was with Jarvis Landry. So the talent is there. The guy just hasn't been able to put it all together. Um, and maybe, maybe it was the professionalism and the leadership of Eli that certainly helped. And I don't know if he has that quite yet with Baker Mayfield because he's so young and Baker's still fairly early in his career. Mm. So maybe as, as Baker matures, maybe as will Odell, but I do think not having Eli there as a quote unquote mentor or leader, I do think that is certainly hurts him as well. Absolutely. Interesting. I'm probably going to get blasted for that because I'm going to say right now that Eli made Odell Beckham. Am I boarding up that's, my house? That's, man? That's a, that's a take right there. Sir. That's a that is a take. You know what? I'm, I'm being a little facetious. I mean, I think they kind of helped each other, but I mean, I okay. Agree. Health, health aside. I mean, the, the argument isn't far fetched because we haven't seen it from Odell since he left New York. So, okay. We'll see this. If this season tells a different story, but. Yep. You want to play. And one thing game? with, with, uh, yeah. with Eli as well is that with the, uh, you know, him going into the, you know, the, the ring of fame with New York, uh, he's also taking a front office position right. um, with them with uh, it is customer engagement or customer experience and then another management position as well. So he's still, you know, even though he's he's retired, he's going back to the organization for a front office position. See, and I love that, man. You know, they, when they take care of their own, especially the guys that did really well with the franchise, he never left. I mean, he played his whole career in New York. And even when, remember, the, the trade talks were saying, you know, where is Eli going to play? I think even Jacksonville was in, in the mix there for a little while. And he said, no, he's like, I'd rather retire as a New York Giant because I don't want to go anywhere else. I got respect mm-hmm. for that, man. And now they take care of him and they give him a front office gig. I, I, I like that. I like when that happens. I think that's great. You know, I think, um, I think a lot of, you know, all-time great franchise quarterbacks – you know, maybe some that were number 12 probably, you know, should have done the same thing, but to each their own. 
number 12. He disrespected y'all, and you're still on his bandwagon, man. Still. <sighs> Let's play a little game, man. It's, it's a little early in the show, but we got a game. It's called okay, Factor Fiction. Oh. Fact okay. or Fiction. ESPN is reporting right now that Sammy Watkins was the Ravens' best wide receiver in minicamp thus far. I know, breaking news, right? My question is, fact or fiction, will Sammy Watkins lead the Ravens in receiving yards this season? <laughs> I couldn't even finish it without laughing, but go ahead. All right. So, honestly, I thought the fact or fiction was going to be, was Sammy Watkins really the, the Ravens' best wide receiver in, in camp? And my initial answer was going to be, dear God, I hope not, because if that's <laughs> the case, then just RIP to that whole team this year. RIP is right, yeah. But I mean, seriously, I mean, all kid in sight. I, I think when I saw this headline, I, I giggled. But because I was like, you know what? Everything they're trying to do, they're looking for that veteran presence. And OK, Sammy hasn't uh, he's underwhelmed he, basically his entire career outside of like a few big games. One really good season in Buffalo with with a lesser quarterback. I mean, what else has he really done? Health has been his major issue. I mean, he had a little sprinkle of, of uh, success in L.A. as well. But I mean, now you're looking for a veteran leader to take this young room in Baltimore, this wide receiver room, and you're trying to, to make them understand what it takes. And I think at this point, Sammy might have that. He might have the, the knowledge and the understanding of what it takes to actually do something in this league because he struggled so much. So everything, I mean, everyone knows, man, pain comes learning and growth, right? So maybe this is kind of the transition for Sammy. Am I reaching? Because I feel like I still want to support him a little bit. I know. I mean, he's, he's still, what, he's 27, 28 years old. So he's not old as far as wide receivers are concerned. He still has plenty of tread left on the tire because, I mean, the guy just hasn't played enough games to have that, mm. all that wear and tear on his body, minus the injuries. Right. Um, but that's the, the biggest thing. I think he definitely could be more of that, that mentor role, you know, where he is going to be taking more of a backseat to these younger players, you know, especially, you know, obviously, obviously Hollywood Brown is right there, but, you know, the younger guys from, especially from last season, mm. um, you know, uh, Duvernay specifically is somebody who I would love to see take that next step forward this year is Watkins kind of that guy that can, you know, that he, will he take them under his wing and kind of mentor them? I, I don't know if he's that kind of player. Yeah. I question it. I question it too. And it's a great question. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, think I, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say fiction. You're going to say fiction. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say fiction. Yeah. I can't hate it. Man. I got to say fiction. Cause I mean, I've tried with Sammy so many times and I'm taking my, my Buffalo bills homership out of it because I mean, he disappointed me, man. And, and how many years can I continue to support you, Sammy, until you prove me wrong? Next one I got is Mr. Albert Breer. He says uh, the Bears will give rookie Justin Fields a lot of playing time this preseason. We knew this. But my question is to you, fact or fiction, will Justin Fields win this starting role by week one? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say that is fiction. I don't believe that he does. Damn you. I know Matt Nagy has come out and said, Andy Dalton is our guy. You know, he's going to start the season, blah, 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 blah. The way Matt Nagy runs his team and the fact that he just frustrates me with so many decisions, mm. I think that he is going to do this. I think he's going to ride with Dalton to begin the season. And then once Dalton starts to Dalton, then we're going to see fields come in and it could be, you know, within the first few games of the season. I don't think, I don't think it's going to take as long as halfway through the year. I think we could see him within the first four, four or five weeks of the season. Okay. Okay. 
but here's not week thing. one. Not week one. Okay, not week one. You're saying no. Okay. So here's the thing. So as I dove into this after I read it, I was like, okay, this is interesting. I, I really need to dive in deep because Coach Nagy is on the hot seat, man. We know this. This is if he if he doesn't make the postseason again this year, I think it's a grave failure, and I think they will be looking elsewhere. Number two, I think that, you know, it is all coach speak, as always. Andy Dalton, we, we brought him in and we said, you are the guy. And I think it was because that was before the draft. So they were trying to get him to sign because every other quarterback they were going after just wasn't happening. It was Deshaun Watson. It was the Russell Wilson. They needed somebody. So now if you're going to say, okay, Justin Fields fell into our lap in the NFL draft, we still got to say, Andy, you're our guy. You're our guy. So, you know, I, I kept thinking about this and thinking about it. And then and now I'm sitting here like, OK, this isn't far fetched for me, because if we go back to the Russell Wilson days when the Seattle Seahawks said whoever I can't remember what the quarterback was at that time that was taking the lead role uh, when he was drafted. But he basically beat everybody out and they couldn't say no. If, if Fields performs to a certain level, I think that the coaching staff will say to Andy, look, man, you just got flat out beat in this open competition and we got no choice. I agree. And I, I, all right. So I will say this. It's going to be interesting to see how he plays in the preseason, how he does in camp. Um, but again, like, and I love Fields. I would love nothing more than to see him as a Bears starting quarterback come week one because I do think he gives them the best chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, I just, I don't trust Nagy. I don't really trust anything that the man says. Sure. And you know who it was who Russell Wilson beat out who was given a huge contract uh, that year before. Damn, I want to, I can't remember. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. Yes, there it is. It was Matt Flynn because he was, he was with the Packers the year before. That's right. He had, he played week 17 and had that phenomenal game. And then Seattle said, oh man, we're going to throw you a monster bag because of that one game. And he was never to be heard from again, man. It was like, it was like hitting the lotto for Mr. Matt Flynn. Oh, Christ. I was, I was thinking it was going to be, uh, what was it? Jackson kid. Ty, what was his name? Something Jackson. Oh, uh, Tavarius. Tavarius Tavarius Jackson. Yeah. I thought that's who was the guy, but I, I, I stand corrected. Well done. I like it. One more for fact and fiction. I got Mr. Adam Jones. He says the bears expect David Montgomery to surpass his 2020 rushing numbers, man. And Okay, if we break down his numbers, mm-hmm. it was 247 mm-hmm. in carries and 1070 in yards. Okay, whatever the touchdowns were, he, he did pretty well for himself. I mean, 247 and 1070, you got to think the way that this offense is now put together. I mean, anything less than that, I mean, in yardage wise, anything, I say anything less than 1100 yards, I think I'm taking this as a disappointment. I mean, I definitely think that he he could definitely be on pace for the rushing attempts because, I mean, hell, even in his rookie season, he had almost 250 rushing attempts and Tariq Cohen played the entire season. You know, last year, Tariq Cohen missed the majority of the season with that ACL and Montgomery barely eclipsed the number of rushing attempts that he had his rookie season. So I think the one thing that will go down a lot is going to be his total touches because he's not going to get the targets and the receptions that he saw this past year with the return of Tariq Cohen. Um, So yeah, I would be, I would be very surprised if he surpasses last year's rushing numbers so i'm gonna go out i'm gonna say fiction for this one man that's that's like a a triple threat man you win fiction on every single one of my categories damn it i'm getting lied to by all of these people (sighs) he's not believing what's being spewed out right now man unbelievable i'm gonna be on the other end because i'm gonna say you know what i do believe it and here's why 
I only want to I only want to fight with you today. This is <laughs> this is what I want. I want to hear why. I want to hear why you think that he is going to surpass last year's numbers. So here's the thing. I think that the the carries, even if they dip down uh, by 20, let's say 2025, even if that happens, I think he showed more than enough in the past game that it's now going to be an even split with Tyreek. I, I, I really do. I think that when he was on the field, it showed what he was able to do. So now when you keep a guy like Montgomery, now the Bears offense, and this is the creativity that Nagy was lacking, right? Everyone knew as soon as he was doing something, everyone knew what play he was calling. Now, if you have Montgomery, he's running the ball very well. Now you can utilize him in the past game. You are more, more multi-dimensional. And that regardless on who your quarterback is, if it's Dalton or Fields, I think that helps the cause in both cases. I don't know, man. I think that, you know, the return of uh, Cohen, I think I think with how he performed last year, dual threat wise, I think Cohen might be sitting on that bench a little bit more. I hope so for fantasy purposes, because I would love, 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 love to have Montgomery as an RB one. I just think that with, you know, with Tariq Cohen, a guy that can get you. I mean, hell, Tariq Cohen sees more targets than a lot of NFL wide receivers do. And if he can get you 60 to 70, you know, receptions, yes, Montgomery had, you know, a great season last year without Cohen there. But I mean, you don't want to wear down Montgomery, you know, much like in Indianapolis where you have Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, Mm. you know, you've got to make sure that you give that secondary running back the touches so that you can spell your stud so that you can keep him for the entire season. Now, if Chicago's out of the playoff picture, then yeah, maybe, you know, maybe they give Montgomery a little bit more run, but I don't know. I think that uh, I'm, st- I'm still going to go with Cohen getting, getting his fair share of touches this year. Certainly not in the rushing, in the rushing game, but as a receiver, he's, he's still going to get his 60 plus uh, receptions and like 80 plus targets. I think. Damn it. I can't, I can't, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going to push it this way. Then I'm going to say efficiency rate. Montgomery's efficiency rate is going to be off the charts. Eight, eight care, or 8.0 uh, rush per carry. How about that? I'm, 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 I'm sorry. What? <laughs> oh, I'll just, I'll just Can you repeat that, that, please. No, I'm, I'm going to side pass that because, you know, I've had a few too many and, and I think I just said something that I didn't really mean. <laughs> Let's go to team talk, man. I, I think this is interesting. Like, what the hell are you doing? You know, eight yards per carry is never going to happen. Come on. I was just messing. Team talk, man. We don't talk enough about teams in general, full teams, full rosters. And, and, you know, okay, I, we're at the point right now where mini camps are, are going to be, you know, finishing up and they're going to go away for a little while and training camps will kick up. And then mm-hmm. that's when all the good, interesting stuff is going to start falling from these teams. But diving in deep already, you know, one team we don't discuss enough is the LA Chargers. And, and I really love this club. I really do. I love how they're building in every, basically in every aspect. They are a few pieces away. I think from being a legit Super Bowl contender, and that's more on the defensive side. I think their offense is absolutely beautifully put together, masterfully. And and the thing is, I saw a very funny comment today, and it was Matthew Stafford's numbers declined a great deal when Joe Lombardi was the Lions offensive coordinator in 2014-2015. Lombardi is now the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, man. Yeah. So this is interesting to me because as I read that, he I, I looked back and that, that was still Calvin in his prime. That was Golden Tate in his prime and Stafford's numbers declined. And I was like, wow, after you're preaching up all of this, you know, good stuff about how, how you're going to make this offense go up tempo. Now, all of a sudden his stats go down. I mean, are we are we looking at a possible regression for Mr. Herbert? I hope not, but I mean. With with Joe Lombardi now as the OC, I mean, maybe because I mean, granted, you know, the 
the Chargers don't have a Calvin Johnson as as much as I love Keenan Allen and, and as good as he is, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have that Megatron receiver. Um, but I do think that this team is a more complete offense than what Stafford had ever had in, in Detroit, regardless of who his OC was. So mm-hmm. I think that their Lombardi has more weapons to work with more pieces to work with, you know, especially with this offensive line, you know, with them drafting with Sean Slater, they have uh, Brian Balaga, Corey Lindsay, they've got the pieces to protect this second year quarterback. Um, and of course you've got Austin Eckler who hopefully will be back for a full season and not be injured. Like he was last year. They added Jared cook. They added all these pieces that they, that really helped them become a complete offense. And that's just on the offensive side, because mm. I mean, then you go over to the defense, you've got the all pro safety and Derwin James who can Ooh. play just about any position on the freaking field that he wants to. Yep. Uh, Joey Bosa, of course, one of the top defensive ends in the league. This is a team that could make a big, big jump. But again, it's all going to rest on that right shoulder of Justin Herbert. And the fear, the fear is real because we always see sophomore slumps happen. And I mean, uh, Herbert came in and and basically came out the like a cannon on fire, man. Like just boom. As soon as he came in the field, it was it was game over. But lights out. But I mean, okay, 2014, 2015 is a long time ago. So Lombardi would have had to school up his game and his plays and his systems and schemes. And he's saying he wants to be a little bit more up-tempo and maybe this is going to help this team. But he also spoke about Austin Eckler, Chris. And and what he said about Austin Eckler was that he views him as like an Alvin Kamara. And I was intrigued with that. I really was. I love so, that. Right? And I mean, so... What you're what you're trying to say to me is that you're trying to recreate something in that department. So how good Alvin Kamara was with Drew Brees, you know, the short passes make it comfortable and then you're going to go unload deep because, you know, Herbert has that arm and he has the weapons to utilize. I mean, if, if this is the thing, so, you know, me from last year, we were talking about Austin Eckler and I was down on Eckler because Tyrod was his starting quarterback at that time. And I said, you know, I have nothing against Eckler, but it's all Tyrod's problem. And then, you know, the, the training staff did us all a favor. I mean, sorry, Tyrod, but they punctured his lung. And, and <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but I mean, fantasy wise, he did us all a favor, but then Eckler goes down with the injury. So, I mean, if he is fully healthy, I mean, I'm, I'm seriously, especially at his value, man. I mean, you tell me where the ADP sits right now, but where he is sitting right now, I love it all day long. And if I can, I'm getting every damn share possible of Mr. Austin Eckler. Oh, you kidding me? Absolutely. I mean, cause, cause right now, Austin Eckler, as long as you're in a, a half or full, full point PPR league, I mean, you're going to be able to get him at the end of the first round in 12 mm. team leagues. And if you plan on going running back, running back, you could potentially start your, your first two rounds or even your first three rounds per se with Austin Eckler and then go up, go with somebody like a Cam Akers or a Joe Mixon if you wanted to. Oh. And then, you know, start your third round with, with a wide receiver or somebody because with, with Eckler and what he gives you, even though he was injured for, you know, for what, I think it was like six games or something last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he was still averaging, I think like, seven or eight targets a game and he only he only he had 65 total uh, targets all season 54 receptions that's one hell of a catch rate right there for a running back um and for what he did as far as efficiency purposes he averaged almost eight yards per reception the biggest knock was the touchdowns he had only three total touchdowns rushing and receiving last Mm -hmm. year so if you bump that number up you know if you're able to get say four or five rushing touchdowns. And then those receiving touchdown numbers say that bumps up to like six. You're looking at an RB one with those receptions and rushing guards that he's able to get you. 
Hundred percent, and 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 the thing is, now like you mentioned, with the offensive line beefed up, I mean everything is pointing in the direction for this offense to actually be something extremely dominating, and and I love it. I and I mean when he's comping the fact that he's, in, I don't think he's saying that he is Alvin Kamara. I think he's saying he wants to utilize him that way, and he can see the the statistics pile up that way, kind of like how Alvin Kamara was used. So if we're talking like. You're you're in the in the ballpark of seventy to eighty receptions. I mean, if you're at full PPR, I mean, I got straight chub and I'm knocking my desk over, man. Like that's how good it's going to be. I mean, I, honestly, I wish I had like a sound effect right now where I could like knock my hand on on the desk just to make that <laughs> that noise. Um, Boom. I'm I'm gonna say this right now: if the Chargers' offense produces the way that I think that they will and that they can. You're going to see Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen as all top 10 fantasy producers at their position this year. And I can't argue. I really and, and can't. That, I and can't. that's not that's not a hot take at all as far as not I'm at concerned. All. That's me being real. pretty damn realistic. <laughs> yeah. No, that's you talking truth, man. In fact, I mean, I get it. And as we look, I, I had to dive in because a lot of people aren't talking about this, this Charger wide receiver room. And I think it's grave disrespect and you all need to start paying attention. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm serious. Listen to this. Okay, you got. Keenan Are you going to be talking about your guy Jalen Guyton? You wait. You wait. I'm, okay, just, just let to, somebody talk, ask. Chris. Like seriously, <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to get this out, man. You're always stunting the play here. <laughs> Shit, man. Now you lost my train of thought. Here we go. Keenan, Keenan Allen, man. Uh, you got Williams. You got this rookie, Josh Palmer. You got Tyron Johnson. You got Jalen Guyton, Joe Reed, KJ Hill. This wide receiver room is absolutely loaded, and people don't understand how good these players are. Are they wide receiver alpha number ones? Probably not, but every single one of them has a skill set that, that can be utilized in this offense. And especially guys like Palmer, he can actually turn into a poor man's Keenan Allen. I really, truly believe that. I think his skills are that good. But when you talk about Guyton, you talk about Johnson, they're both home run hitters, deep ball threats. KJ Hill is this kind of uh, Swiss army knife that you can utilize. Don't don't uh, sleep on this Joe Reed kid, man, because if Williams gets an injury, they're going to insert all these guys on a rotational basis and, and it's going to suck for fantasy football. But I'm telling you, this wide receiver room is freaking loaded, man. And I've, I'm again, my chub is growing. And, and don't forget, look at the tight end position. Like I said earlier, they we went go. ahead. They got Jared Cook. Yes, he's getting up there in age, but he is like Mr. Reliable when it comes to tight ends. They have uh, former XFL stud Donald Parham who Ooh. should be the, the tight end two for them going into this season. So they, like, like we said, they have plenty of weapons on offense. It's just going to be a matter of, you know, is Herbert going to get that sophomore slump or is he going to be able to, you know, not maybe not necessarily replicate what he did last year because that was so freaking special, mm-hmm. but at least be able to just continue to grow and mature as an NFL quarterback. I love it. I love this team, man. I, like I'm a closet fan because they're just they're, the way they're building. I mean, if, if they can do everything right, Anthony Lynn, to me, he's a good offensive coordinator. He is not to me, the, the head coach that I would put in uh, to, to run my club, but I mean, no disrespect to the man. He tried his best, but it just, he couldn't get it over the top. And I mean, we saw it like in that in Buffalo, it was the same deal. He goes to LA or in San Diego. It was the same thing. He just, he can make you to that point where you're like nine and seven and then that's it. And he can't get you over that uh, top. But I mean, yeah. uh, who knows what this new coaching staff is going to do? I mean, I'm not saying they're going to do better than Lynn did, but I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, this Lombardi thing does kind of scare me a little bit though. It does. But I will say that 
And, and I think the low hanging fruit is, you know, to, to bash Anthony Lynn and his play calling last year, because it was absolutely horrid. Like it was, it was tough to watch some of, some of those games with the play mm-hmm. calling that, that happened there. Um, but you know, Hey, Lombardi's now in and we could see some changing and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Cause right now, the only thing that's low hanging is, you know, body parts and the humidity. <laughs> and it's hanging to the floor and it's sweating. <laughs> That's how it does, man. So anyway, let's continue down the team talk because this is great. I love these conversations, man. And let's dive into San Francisco. We don't talk Mm. enough about these 49ers. I mean, maybe we do, but I don't care. I'm going to talk about them anyway. And you guys are going to listen because that's what we do. Trey Lance, man. Trey motherfucking Lance. What are we thinking now? Because, okay, he's starting to show his natural ability. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. You know this. I've been a fan. I'm staying a fan. But now you wanted to see it in the pros. When the pro systems, the pro schemes, he's making these throws on point, man. Rolling, doing the bootlegs to the right, to the left, and he's putting them to the sideline pinpoint. Yes, okay, I get it. It's in shorts. It's in no no pads. But, I mean, damn, man, do we believe that he could beat out Jimmy G this offseason to take that week one role? Well, we, we talked about this in his scouting report months ago over on Headliner U. And if you guys haven't checked out that video, head over to Headliner U over on YouTube. Check out the scouting report on Trey Lance because Chouse and I go in depth on this man. And we both pretty much the same said the same thing. You know, it was very much like when we watched his pro day, you know, yeah, he's making all these great throws, but it's in shorts. You know, there's no one rushing him, blah, 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 blah. But the kid has so much natural ability um, the arm strength, the accuracy, the way that he can throw accurately on the run. Mm. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And I don't care if it wasn't D1 football, you know, mm-hmm. like North Dakota State. Talent is talent. And eventually, yes, I do think that he will beat out Jimmy G. I don't know if it's going to be to start the season because he is still so raw. I think that learning from, I don't know if Jimmy G is the guy you te- technically want to be your mentor. Don't don't be wrong. I don't mind Jimmy G. I think sure. that Jimmy G needs a mentor. Sure, though, I agree. Yeah. Trey Lance does, mm-hmm. but I do think that sitting and watching, you know, whether it's just a few games, he will need to kind of catch up and get up to speed with how fast the NFL actually is. So I think that the natural ability and that talent will only take you so far. It also may just be trial by fire, where you you know it's a it's a Troy Aikman or Peyton Manning situation. And you just kind of throw him in there uh, in front of the firing squad week one and, and just let him learn from his mistakes. And, and, and here's my struggle. I'm struggling with this so hard is, is what do you see in Jimmy G that actually makes you believe Kyle Shanahan I'm speaking of that makes you believe that he can take you to places that you want to go. And okay, fine. If you're going to say, uh, you know, we're comfortable winning games, 16 to 12, 21 to 15, on the strength of the run game and the defense, because we know he loves to run. This is Shanahan's mm-hmm. MO. We, we get it. But I mean, he, when he was talking and it was a great interview, it was uh, months ago. And, and he, the, the reporter asked him and said, you know, what do you see in a running quarterback that makes your offense that much more dynamic? And his, his response was the teams just didn't know what the hell we were calling because now you're playing 11 on 11 instead of 10 on 11, because the quarterback is a non-threat running the football. And, and Jimmy G is not this guy that's going to run the football, man. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. His accuracy, I mean, uh, as the years have gone on, you can see his confidence is shot. I mean, the injuries have taken a toll. He He's really not the same guy that we all thought he was going to be. Even that year that he tore his ACL in week three, he started that year extremely strong. 
I, I just, I, I, I really struggle here to say, even if, okay, maybe week one's a little bit of a stretch, but I struggle really hard to say that you can't get out of week four, even if you're two and two and not throw Trey Lance into this football games. No, I, I completely agree with you because yeah, he had that one great, not I, sorry. I, I didn't want to use the word great. He had that one good season where he did play all 16 games for the 49ers. Mm. He threw for just under 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns through for 13 interceptions and outside of that, he hasn't really done much else. Even in the six games from last season, he still threw for 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Like, it's just nothing that is going to stand out and say, okay, this guy is the guy that's going to win us a football game. No, he's probably the guy that's not going to lose you a football game, but he's not the guy that I want to have the ball in his hands to win me a game. He's not. He's not a playmaker, and that's why they went and they got Trey Lance with the number three overall pick. Yeah. And see, even that season they went to the Super Bowl, it was like you could see his 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 level of play was very timid and and he couldn't he, he wasn't playing well enough to make me a believer. And, and I wanted to believe I, I have I got no issues with Jimmy Garoppolo. I just I wanted to believe and you didn't you didn't pass the test, man. The smell test didn't smell good. And 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 for me, I, I right now I really am struggling. If 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 again you're gonna go go open the season doing heavy run sets and and playing strong defense, fine. I get it. You could probably grind out a a bunch of wins that way. But really, man, don't you want to win those games like thirty-five to twenty? If you got a guy like Trey Lance who can just sling that damn ball. Yeah, and I do think that you know a lot of it had was the Belichick effect. You know, Belichick was probably hyping up Jimmy G, and you know was saying, "Hey, you know this is this guy's going to be your your next future franchise quarterback." And 49ers, I'm granted the 49ers only had to give up a second round pick to get him, so it wasn't a huge investment on their part. But there's a reason why Jimmy G is currently the 37th quarterback being taken in redraft leagues at this very moment. He's going in the early 23rd round, and there's a very damn good reason for that. See? See what I'm saying? Man, you know, it's hard to breathe right now because it's just so much negativity. We need something positive, man. So let's move to a positive topic on this 49ers team, and that is a hot topic. Big debate, this wide receiver room, we know this. It is not overly abundant with talent outside of uh, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. So here's the thing. Everyone wants this debate, and I've seen it so many times. you got Team Debo on one side, you got Team Ayuk on the other side, and none of them can agree. They can't even agree to disagree because they're fighting that bad. But this comes into the effect of how this offense is run. So now... Who do you side with more? Because I'm I'm going to say it right now. I'm on Team Ayuk, man. I, I, I really have to be. I, I love everything about his skills and his game that I think he's going to have a freaking monster season this year. I am also uh, Team Ayuk. I have Ooh. him currently in. I currently have him as a top 24 fantasy receiver this year as of right now. Uh, I think I have him at number 23 or number 24. And I got Debo down like just inside the top 40. See, and why is that? Is it because of injuries, right? It has to be because of lack of playing time. Yeah, it's lack of playing time. It's, you know, durability. You know, I want to, I want a receiver, even though, you know, I use younger. I want someone that I know I can rely on, someone who hasn't had those injuries like, like a Debo Samuel. So, regardless of who the quarterback is, I'm going to go with the guy that I know is going to be on the football field. So then the flip side, man, are you taking Debo given his ADP value? Because I like that value now. So, if I miss out on Ayuk, I might not feel as bad, you know, getting them where his value's at. Maybe, but I mean, they're, right now they're only really going about a round, a round and a half, you know, difference at, the, at this point. 
So where Debo is going towards the end of the seventh, I honestly would probably feel a little bit better going with somebody like a Juju Smith-Schuster or Tyler Boyd um, or even a Jerry Judy. I'll take Judy over, over Debo, and they're going right around the same point. Oh, I don't mind that whatsoever. I love it, man. But they need more more help, man. And maybe that is part of the maturation process that they're thinking for for Trey Lance as well. Is they they understand it's basically Ayuk, Debo, and and Kittle, and that's that's your offense in the past game. So there's not an, enough weapons. I mean, can we say that Ayuk is an alpha? I mean, he 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 looked somewhat the part last year. I mean, he's he's creeping up into that that echelons of being an alpha. I mean, right now I'm looking at the ADP. Ayuk is going. Two spots below Kenny Galladay and Deontay Johnson. He's going 6-4, where those guys are going 6-0-2 and 6-0-3. That's, I mean, that's that's some good company to be in right now. I like it. I like it a lot, man. It's a great conversation. The running back One, room. Go ahead. I was just I that's exactly what I was actually just wanted to touch on was the running back room because this is a crowded room right now. Um, even with the injury to, to Jeffrey Wilson Jr. We still have Gallman, Mostert, uh, Trey Sermon, Eli Mitchell. Like we, this is a busy, busy backfield. And what do you think is going to happen? Like, how do you think this is all going to unfold come week one of the season? Oh, this this one gives me headaches, and and my hair is turning gray on like the second every time I look at this depth chart. Like when they brought in Gallman too, I was like, why? Why would you why? do this? Why? Why do this to this fantasy community? But I mean, okay, so here's the thing. So Mostert, his health is is been horrible. I mean, he hasn't been able to stay upright for as long as he can. I mean, maybe it's based on usage as well. So Shanahan understands that. And he's like, okay, we can't feed you the the, the 15 plus a game. So that's got to dial back. Gallman impressed me last year when he filled in and, and he played well in these games, but then his problem is he tends to disappear. So I don't think he can be the three down back. The, the Wilson injury is a big uh, miss, and he's probably likely gone until November. So, I mean, okay, now you got two rookies. Obviously, Sermon is starting to take the, the top notch. This, I mean, Mitchell's even in there, and he's a home run type of guy. So, ah, man, like seriously, at, at this point, unless the value is really, really there, I, I got to pass on most of these guys. I really can't touch them. I would have to agree. I think this is a backfield that's just scary to even – look at right now i mean most are like you said the guys had one season where he's played 16 games i mean i know senior citizens who keep who can stay up longer than most are can so oh. Oh. i mean do what do you take a chance with the rookie though do you think that sermon is going to be able to take over this backfield and at least you know maybe have like a a 50 50 split with most depending if he can even stay on the field you know that being most See, and I remember we had this conversation again, the plug for headliner you, we were on the, the Trey Sermon scouting report. We discussed this as well. And it was, it was to the point of saying, you know, landing spot is going to be so massive for Trey Sermon. And that's because they need to utilize his abilities this way. Is he going to help you in the past game? Probably not. And I mean, you're not going to see a lot of it, but he could pile up the 150, 200 yards if he really wanted to. Like he's that type of back. Is his is his career going to be extremely long? Maybe not. I think maybe five to seven years is his window. But I mean, in this offense, as we're going right now, I mean, 
man, with Wilson hurt, he he's now okay, fine. Now you got to put a, a stamp and say that's a concern. If he comes back, will he get re-injured? And then again, you know Kyle Shannon, he's almost non-loyal to his running backs. If you get hurt, it's next man up, and then they got to play themselves out of the job, right? So I don't know, man. I think Sermon is an interesting one. Redraft is very hard to trust. Um, but if I'm getting him basically with my last pick, I, I don't hate taking a flyer on Sermon. No, I think right now where this is a situation where we, we talked about it just a second ago with, with Ayuk and with Debo, you know, would, do you want the, the discount with Debo, you know, going around a round and a half later? And I said, no, I'm going to say yes with these two guys, with Mostert and Trey Sermon, they're going 706 and 805. I'll take I'll take Sermon in the eighth over Mostert in the seventh, and you know just make sure that I have enough depth ahead of those guys, you know, in case there's an injury or whatnot. But having Sermon there, yeah, I'm okay with taking that flyer on him. See, shows how much I know, man. I haven't checked the ADP in like a week, and he's already jumped into the freaking eighth round. For <laughs> he's God in the sake. eighth round. Unbelievable how much these guys are just flying up the radar. But I mean. It's for it's for a valid purpose and reason, because, I mean, Sermon is looking sharp, man. And I mean, we didn't dislike his game to say that he couldn't take a punishment and he couldn't uh, gain big yards. The, the issue was, is am I convinced that he's a full three down back? No, I'm not. I, I still am not. No, he's I, no, he's not. Right. And I mean, that's that's the thing. So, I mean, we did say, I mean, he could get 10 touchdowns this season. I could definitely see that. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, he's, he's going to be that or should be that red zone guy, especially with, uh, with Jeff Wilson out for the foreseeable future. Wilson was that red zone, you know, running back for, for the 49ers. He was that bigger guy. And now you have Sermon who is, you know, I mean, he's built like a, like a, a mini version of Derrick Henry mm. and is going to be able to just pound it in inside the five whenever you give it to him. And he's surprisingly athletic and agile. That's the funny thing about Sermon. When, when, you, when you first look at him, you're like, yeah, I don't know, man. He's just some, you know, big bulldozer like uh, Eddie Lacy. And you're like, after you watch man, his film, you're like, whoa, man, this guy's got some moves. He's got a lot more agility than I initially thought, especially after watching the, uh, the national championship game mm. and the game before that. And then going back and looking at his film and you look at a full season of him, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy can he, he can move. He Certainly. Can move. He can move. I, I like it though, man. San Francisco is a very interesting club and I like it. I mean, I like talking about these teams, man. You guys will get used to that because we'll do more of it. I'm sure, man. You know what? This is your second week back and we got to do it, man. We got to do it. You know what we're doing? Dynasty games, dynasty, dynasty games. games. Dun, we dun, about dun, to play dun, some dynasty, dynasty games. games. We need a damn jingle because we can't sing for shit. Ain't that the truth? You know, quarterbacks baby quarterbacks let's play a little dynasty games who do you want more and this is dynasty baby not redraft zach wilson or justin fields this is tough because i have them i'm pretty sure i have them like next to each other in my rankings Mm. if not like a spot or two difference here i'm gonna go justin fields um and the reason and i love zach wilson i love the uh the word that I'm looking for is completely eluding me. Um, his improvisation. I love the, his improvisation on the run, the arm angle. It's very Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers esque. But I could watch Justin Fields throw a 25 yard bomb all day, every single day of the week, and like twice on Sundays. Like, give me Fields. I think that that offense for him is going to be set up for success. Um, Matt Nagy scares me a bit. Don't get me wrong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love the 
the ceiling a lot more with Justin Fields. And it's so hard to argue, man. I love everything that Fields brings to the Chicago Bears team. I love how they are starting to round out the entire roster. However, it's it's crazy to say right now that I am actually leaning towards Wilson at this point. It's it's very close. It's almost by like a, a grain of sand. Like that's how close this oh. is. Yeah, it's it's very slight, man, edge to Wilson. And it's only because, you know, I'm I'm such a big believer in in LaFleur's. I, I love how they scheme up everything offensively. The culture seems to be changing in New York. And all mm-hmm. it takes is the right personnel. That's all it we and I'm always going to use my bills because the bills were in in garbage purgatory for how long because the um, the management sucked. Look at that one off season of full change and an understanding of who to bring in and everything can change. You know, Robert Salah is, is one of these guys, man. He's a process guy. He's trust the process, do it this way. And we will be victorious. The high energy, the high motor, it, it rubs off on guys, right? Like you, you, it's very hard to come into practice and see your coach, you know, yelling and running up and down a hundred yards on the sideline. And you're just sitting there looking at him, man, you're going to get jacked up and you're going to go. But I mean, everything that right now that I'm seeing so far this offseason, I mean, everything we watched on film, man, the velocity is there. The accuracy is there. He's building chemistry with his playmakers. I mean, right now, I mean, it's the Jets, but I, I got a side with Wilson just just a smidge. And, and I think you're absolutely right. This isn't, you know, this isn't the Jets that we've been accustomed to seeing over the last decade or so. You know, um, they completely cleaned house, which they needed to do. And. Is Salah the guy that is going to take them there? I don't know, but the fact that they do have LaFleur makes me a lot more confident in what the offense can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it all day long. Yep. Kyler Murray or Dak Prescott? I'm going Kyler Murray. Um, Ooh, no, no and, and it's interesting. It's interesting because if you had asked me this before the season started, mm-hmm. I probably would have said Dak Prescott. I think I had Dak Prescott as like a top three option. Um, Kyler's moved up for me quite a bit and I'm going with Kyler because of the dual threat, you know, what he can give you through his arm, through his legs. Dak Prescott is not, he can be mobile. Yes, but he was never known to be that, you know, that rushing quarterback where that's exactly what Kyler is. And after this recent injury with Dak, with that ankle, Mm. we're going to see him run a lot less, most likely. And so that just kind of limits his, his fantasy upside there. And with fantasy quarterbacks, you want someone that's going to be able to get you points through the air and on the ground. And that's freaking Kyler Murray to an absolute T and he's four years younger than Dak Prescott. I love it all day long because that's where I'm going exactly because basically all you said, I mean, Dak can go probably 5,000 yards in a 17 game season um, but I mean, I love everything about how this Cardinals offense is moving again. It, to me, it's about play callers too. And and everyone hates me for it in this opinion, but I'm a Cliff Kingsbury guy and I'm going to stand with him, sink or swim, man, because I, I believe in the talent, man. I believe that he is that good and that creative. And now you added pieces like Rondale Moore and AJ green. I mean, good God, man, uh, get ready for Kyler to be running like a rabbit all over this field. I love it. Joe Burrow or Jalen hurts. I'm going Burrow. Wow, um, against and your we talk- boy. Yes. Dude, I know we talked we talked yes. about him last week and and I I stood up for Jalen Hurts all freaking episode long. Um <laughs> but I I was you did and I I was so wrong about Joe Burrow last season. Going into the the regular season, I was a Joe not a Joe Burrow hater, but I definitely was 
very weary about him. Mm. I figured that he was a product of the system at LSU. He had that one outrageous season and that it wouldn't carry over to the NFL. And game after game before he got injured, I was just like, wow, I was wrong. Wow, I was wrong. And the throws that he made, the poise that he showed mm. as a rookie was absolutely phenomenal. Um, and and yeah, Joe Burrow for me, I'll take him over Hertz. Absolutely. Even though Hertz gives you that upside with his legs, which is the same argument I just made with Murray against Dak, I don't think that makes a difference in this particular matchup. Agreed. Agreed. I think his passing pedigree uh, far exceeds what Hertz is going to do. Um, yes. and, and I love it all day long. I'm on, I'm on the Burroughs side too. And I, and I mean, I love your point of you saying, you know, it's the poise and it, it was like the stage was just not too big for the man. It was, it was just, he was there. It was like, he was home mm -hmm. and, and I exactly. love it all day long. I'm a Burrow guy too. I like it. Deandre Swift or Najee Harris. Uh, I'm going, uh, this sucks. I love, 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 love Deandre Swift. So do I. Um, what I don't love is the lack of talent around him which I think is certainly going to limit his upside. Um, if the Pittsburgh Steelers learned from their mistake last year, where they just completely pulled the Buffalo Bills and what they did in the playoffs and just abandoned the run completely, mm -hmm. which the Steelers did for most of the season, mm -hmm. I'm, going, I'm going Najee Harris because I think with what they have around him in those wide receivers, you know, with Claypool and Juju and Deontay, uh, Deontay Johnson, um, Ben Roethlisberger cannot throw the ball as often as he did last year. That arm is ready to fall off. This could be his very last, his very last season with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he's going to want to try to get one more, one more championship. And I think that having that balance with Harris, you know, for this season is going to be the way to go. And this could be their workhorse for the next six, seven years. See, um, and that's, I love it. I love it all day long. I'm going, I'm going yeah. there with, uh, with you hundred percent because I'm a swift guy too. I, I love the skill set. But the, man, the way that they have this this offense built right now, it, it's very scary. I'm not, I'm not on Team Swift in 2021, and if I'm wrong, I'm okay to die on this hill. I really am. Yep, same. And and I was on Team Swift last year, and that was as a rookie. And and this year, I just can't I can't eat it, man. I just, I'm, it's not part of my appetite this time. I'm definitely going Najee. I think even with the offensive line troubles, I dove in and I did a lot of work on this uh, this offense. And and I mean. This is going to be the Le'Veon Bell effect, man. I'm telling you, the way mm. that they're already setting it up, man, in, in OTAs and minicamp, you know, they're getting him the ball through the air as much as possible to see what he is capable of. I mean, we're going to see Le'Veon Bell 2.0, and it might even be more successful in the pass game because Najee is a bigger man. You know, what's going to be scary is when they go three wide with the receivers that they have, oh. and then they pull Najee out of the backfield and line him up as a receiver too. Oh. I mean, that just mismatches all over the field. I love it, man. I love it all day long. One of my boys, man, Travis Etienne or Miles Sanders? I'm going Etienne. Um, I, am, I love, love, love me some Miles Sanders. Uh, this is the guy who I targeted in a few trades last, uh, last year before the season started in some of my dynasty leagues. And... I really hope that none of my league mates are listening right now, but like I'm trying to sell this guy if I can, if I can possibly do it. Um, I've dropped him pretty far down in my rankings and Etienne, it's, it's tough to say, okay, well, you know, I could have him as a top 10, top 12 dynasty running back. He hasn't touched the NFL field yet, mm -hmm. but the opportunity is going to be there for him, especially as a receiver. You know, Urban Myers said that we want him as, you know, being more of a pass catcher. And so where they have James Robinson, I think that could be a huge boost for ETN stock 
is making sure that he's you know not only getting the the touches on the ground but also being used more as a pass catcher especially with the uncertainty of the Jaguars receiving room right now I think ATN could be an absolute great fit you know being more of that I don't want to call him a satellite back because I do think he's going to get the touches as, as a running back on the ground but a more improved version of a James White slash Tariq Cohen oh oh baby I, I'm going with Etienne as well. And it's, it sucks because I was a huge Miles Sanders supporter, still yeah. am to some degree. I just haven't seen enough to continue and war into that preaching positivity. So for me, Etienne is the guy. I mean, we've, we've discussed him at nauseum as well. And it's, it's to say, you know, he is uh, kind of like that Alvin Kamara and this offense, the way that they're, they're kind of morphing. You feel like they're, they're kind of setting it up. The Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara saints show with, with Robinson and, and uh, Etienne being the, the catalysts in this backfield mm-hmm. for their young quarterback. And I mean, what do young quarterbacks require, man? They need a tight end to take the pressure off or a running back who can catch out of the backfield. And Etienne played in college with, uh, with Mr. Lawrence. So I love the chemistry build all day long. And that's where I'm going. Antonio Gibson or Mr. Joe Mixon. I'm going Antonio Gibson here. Um, it's interesting that they didn't Antonio Gibson, who was a former wide receiver in college converted to running back. And then JD McKissick, was like top two or top three out of all running backs and targets and receptions. So that was a little bit of a head scratcher, but I do think that if Gibson can be used a little bit more in the passing game, you know, especially with the addition of Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, that's going to free up some space in those running lanes for him because, you know, these, this, these defenses aren't going to be just, you know, dropping back in coverage all the time. They're going to be trying to bring pressure and that could open up some holes, you know, in this run game for the Washington football team. And where Gibson, 22 years old, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think he, I think he could be a great argument for a potential top five dynasty running back, depending on what he can do this year. Oh man, that's some hot. I was gonna say shit. I can say shit because I've got him at number. He's he's number seven for me right now. Whoa, man, that is some spice. Oh, it's spice. Like it's spice where it's gonna hurt your butt the next morning. Wow, that is some spice, man. I didn't expect that, but I mean. It's hard to argue because I, I do believe in Joe Mixon. I still do. And, and I really, truly believe in what they're building in Cincinnati, especially on the offensive side. You add Jamar, you know, you have a triple uh, threat wide receiver room. Now you get Joe Burrow back. He's going to be an all-star. I want to say by year four um, at, at the latest. Um, but I mean, <laughs> It's almost like you, you're you trying to force this to happen, that, that Joe Mixon is going to be this, this heavy utilized running back, is going to be super efficient with his touches, just because volume is, is going to be there because we don't see anybody else taking his, his role, really. I mean, they're talking up Chris Evans uh, the, the other day, and I mean, okay, fine. He can remove touches, but yeah, seven's a little high for me, buddy. I'm, I'm going to go on a little bit of a, of a limb here uh, with a hot take that you you said do you think by year four joe burrow will be pro bowler yeah uh, straight up okay i think this season joe burrow will play in the pro bowl if he can play all 16 games and i don't hate it yeah i said at the latest and at the latest and i and i say that only because mahomes or josh allen will be representing the afc in the super bowl okay so that takes away one of those spots there Mm -hmm. and the only other people in the afc outside of those two that are going to battle for that, that pro bowl spot is going to be Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, maybe Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. But I mean, other than that, it's, it's, it's 
Joe Burrow, because he has the offense to put up the statistics. And I think this could be Burrow's year to really just show like, hey, this is what I could have done last year if I didn't get injured. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, I'm saying a year four at the latest. But yeah, I mean, I could definitely see a Pro Bowl nod this year. Absolutely. Wide receivers, let's finish it out, man. Justin Jefferson or DK Metcalf? Justin Jefferson. Yeah, we don't even need explanation on that because yep. it's, it's JJ, man. He's just that good. CD Lamb or Allen Robinson? You're probably you're probably going to disagree with me on this one because I know you love a Rob. I'm going CD Lamb. You are not. I am. CD Lamb is uh, he's my number five dynasty wide receiver right now. Ooh. And man, I'm the backing spice, that up. man. You're going to be on it the toilet is. all day long. <laughs> Which, which is fine because it means I don't have to go to work. I can call out sick. <laughs> but And I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to our boy, Jake, uh, because he did himself some research mm. on second year wide receivers and their slot snaps. All right. And what CeeDee Lamb can do in the slot is an absolute nightmare for opposing defenses and cornerbacks. And if they play him more in the slot, which they should, because you're going to have Cooper and Gallup on the outside, CeeDee Lamb is going to absolutely eat this year. And with Dak Prescott back and Dak Prescott healthy, I think they were going to see a big year from this young man. Couldn't agree and more. going forward. Couldn't agree more. But the caveat I'm putting on it is, what if they remove Amari Cooper from this roster next year? Same, same uh, outlook if, if he's actually now lining up outside where he's not going to take as many slot reps? Yes. I think he's that talented where he... He thrives in the slot, but he also has the ability that we saw last year to play outside and win those matchups. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, CD Lamb to me is just unreal. This one sucks. I hate this question, because the, the, the difference between the two, because I love them both. So I'm going to say I'm going to try to get them both. And that's I'm cheating, but whatever. That's but that's that's not a bad strategy. That's a good strategy. I'm just going to cheat because it's my game anyway. Jamar Chase or t- Scary Terry McLaurin? Uh, I'm, I'm going Jamar Chase here. I'm loving what the Bengals are doing on offense. You've got that, you know, that, that, uh, that relationship that has been brought back together with Chase and Burrow and give me that, give me that one, two connection all day long. You know, I might regret this, but I'm leaning just a smidge to Terry right now. As much as I love Jamar Chase, it's, I, I'm just waiting for that franchise, excuse me, that franchise quarterback to get to Washington but you know what? This might change. This might change in like a month uh, of how I view this. But as of today, it's it's just by a hair, man. Last one, buddy. Kenny Galladay or Deontay Johnson? Ooh. Um, this one sucks too. I'm, it does, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give the edge to Johnson, and I'm only doing it because of the age difference. Mm. I like the three four year you know uh, gap between the two, and. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't trust Daniel Jones. I don't care who the quarterback in Pittsburgh is next year. I just, I don't trust Daniel Jones to get it done. And I, I hope I'm wrong because I love what the, the Giants have been doing with this team, not only on the defensive side of the ball over the last couple of years, but what they've been doing on offense over this past off season. I hope Jones can put it together, but I'm giving the edge to, to Johnson there and hope that he's, he's kind of overcome uh, his, uh, his issue of drops. Yeah, the butterfingers. I get it. I, You know what? I still got to lean with my boy, Kenny Galladay, right now. He is that true alpha wide receiver that I absolutely covet. I mean, so here's the, here's the argument I'll make right now as of today. If Daniel Jones struggles, 
the Giants are six and ten, right? I mean, this is kind of how they're going to be, or six and eleven. However, the new uh, seventeen games. If they succeed, then he's going to eat. And and I mean, he could be one of these wide receivers that makes Daniel Jones that much better. But if mm-hmm. they are drafting at that six and eleven, six, uh, it's going to be six and eleven. They they have an opportunity now to go and get a franchise quarterback. Yeah, okay, the draft isn't as plentiful, but I mean, you could upgrade uh, with from the free agent market as well. I don't know. I I think Daniel Jones' season is is this is it, and and if he doesn't prove it, I mean, I think he's out regardless. So I'm going to side with Mr. Kenny G. All righty, I've got. I figured I I know you you weren't planning on touching on on the uh, on tight ends. I wasn't planning on touching on anybody. You weren't going to touch any tight ends. Go ahead, man. <laughs> no. Okay, cool. I'm going to touch a tight end here. Go and, touch I'm a ask, tight end. and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question here, sir. I'm not going to talk about Kyle Pitts. Cause I feel like that's just, that's kind of a, a given mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews. <sighs> it's still for dynasty purposes, dynasty purposes solely. Yeah, I'm, I'm still siding with Hawk, man. I, I, I like the potential. I mean, for me, I'm not so hurt with, with Jared Goff in Detroit. I think that if, if they can actually progress, uh, he's done he's done decent things in L.A. I mean, it, it fell off a cliff, but I mean, with a safety net like Hawkinson with no real wide receiver one to speak of at this point, I think I think even if I, if I play out this one year with him and, and I sell him on the high, I'm okay with that as well. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I've got I've got Hawk a couple spots above Mark Andrews. Um, I I will say this though, where you said that they don't Detroit doesn't have a legit like number one. Um, don't don't let your boy you know Cephas hear that. Quintez, he's he's probably listening. He's he probably is, like, oh, Chaz, you were my he's boy. Upset. I'm sorry, man. You know, forgive me, Quintez. You're my boy. So before we get out of here, Jake has an important message for everybody. So just listen up right now. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now and it's 100% free. So head over to fantrax.com slash headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now, fantracks.com slash headliners. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.